With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And this week's episode of Histology's In the Lab, Justin and Matt break down Luka Doncic's historic performance against the New York Knicks. We provide a recap of the NBA on Christmas Day, discuss the possibility of James Harden returning to Houston, break down why tribute videos are cringe, and plus a lot more. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Hoopsology's in the lab. Welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas and hope you're having a very happy holiday season. I am Matt Thomas. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my good friend, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing really well. I'm hoping that um, not only yourself, Matt, but everybody else had a happy holiday. Recovering from this like extreme cold snap, now it's warming back up here in the Denver area, so it's nice not to freeze. So. Good to hear. Yeah, we were outside last night for River of Lights oh, yeah. here in New Mexico, which is one of my favorite things of this time of the year. And it was actually really nice. I was surprised. And we're going to shout out to the New Mexico Lobos, our alma mater, ranked number 22nd in college hoops right now for men's basketball. We're going to that game tonight against the CSU Rams, another school that I actually went to. We'll tell that story some other time (laughs) but uh very excited to see them open up mountain west conference play so aside from that a lot of fun things going on with the nba justin and that's what we'll plan to get into today we have some follow-up from the christmas day games that we'll talk about we've got an awesome rivalry that is really Kicked into fifth gear, I would say, in the NBA that we'll talk about. But I want to lead off, as you know, Justin, with this monster line that Luka Doncic had uh, just last night against the New York Knicks. Why don't you tell our good listeners about that line? Yeah, for sure. So this took place last night. Um, The Knicks taking on the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks pulling off the win in overtime, 126-121, led by Luka Doncic. I mean, this was just an insane game. And I think when you see Luka, he's very unique compared to the other players in the league. He's really kind of a a Dirk 2.0, so to speak. I know that's maybe other people have used that comparison, but I think it's valid here. Just the way he's very crafty in scoring points – he just really catches you to sleep, and he's just really such a, a joy to watch, and his stat line is just unbelievable. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, and 68% from the field. Just unbelievable stat line. Yeah. Um, if you take a look at overtime, I mean, to, to get the game there, I mean, that was a massive comeback by the Mavericks, and Luka <laughs> missing that free throw and then hitting such an improbable shot, like you were saying, Matt, off air which was just incredible. And really, I mean, if you take a look at overtime, both teams really struggled until around a minute and some change left until Lucas scored. I mean, really, it was both teams going really cold from the field um, and extra time until Luca um, kind of broke kind of that, that cold streak. So he look, who knows, he could have had more in overtime, but an unbelievable stat line. Um, just 21 from 31 from the field. Um 16 from 22 from the line. I mean, this goes back to when we were talking to um, Chuck Cooperstein just earlier this season about his free throw shooting. Just imagine if he was, you know, 21 from 22. I mean, just if he's improved upon that, it'd just be un- unbelievable. So um, he tops the franchise record that Dirk set. Um, that was 53 points back in December um, wow. in 2004. So just an un- unbelievable performance by Luca. Absolutely. By the way, I forgot to mention at the start of our show, we're going to be talking about some odds as we do with our season check-in episodes. We're going to be using bovadasportsbook.com for some of the numbers that we're listing here. So just so you guys know, and one of the things I wanted to mention with this is 
looking at the most current ratings for or most current odds that is for MVP, Luca is now tied in first with Jason Tatum at plus 275 on Bovada. Uh, so, yeah. And, and I mean, this game only adds to that resume there. I mean, a really big standout game. I think, um, you know, you mentioned the field goal percentage, which is just incredible when you have a high volume performance like that. I mean, this is like you would need to put in real effort on NBA 2K to like <laughs> put up a For line sure. like this, you know, I mean, unless you're coasting on the rookie mode or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, so Luca just living that video game play style in real life. And I think where I agree with you on that Dirk comparison, especially is that the whole time you watch Luca and we've talked about this before, but he doesn't kill you with his speed. He doesn't kill you with now he, he is a beast of an athlete and he can push people around with his frame and his weight and his height, but he doesn't really like dazzle you in terms of blowing by people. Like it's not the same experience as watching John Morant, who we'll talk about in a minute here. Um, but it's super impressive because he still just gets where he wants to go. Uh, there was this this timed alley-oop that he had with Dwight Powell. Um, I believe it was still during regulation where, you know, both I mean, Dwight Powell kind of sneaks in the lane and he's not big, all that big for a power forward, but they just sneak by and Luca takes his time to get there and draws the defense away to where right in the middle of the lane, Dwight Powell has a wide open alley-oop. Yeah. And Luca, of course, throws the perfect lob for him to get there uh, right in the nick of time to dunk it in. So these are the things watching Luca that I think make him so unique. These are also the things watching Luca when I see a line like this that I, I'm glad to see Luca look super happy playing in that game because it was a competitive game against the New York Knicks who have lost their last four games and are not a top team in the NBA, though they've been doing better of late. Um, so I wonder, again, the issues like we talked about with Casey Kiernan, the sustainability of this model with Luka and how far they can go in the playoffs, whether the Western Conference Finals was a, a trend that will be commonplace, like the Mavericks are going to be really familiar getting there, or was that just an outlier last season? Now, it it's easy to go in favor of Luca's just so incredible when he drops a line like this, but is it sustainable in the playoffs? I think it's still the main question. I don't want to detract from his incredible historic line. We don't see things like that. We've never seen something like that in, in NBA history. Um, but these are still the questions that remain. So looking forward to see what the Mavericks can do there. Any other thoughts on Luca? No, your, your concerns are, are valid. I mean, we've seen in, in the playoffs where teams tend to tighten up defensively the deeper the playoffs go, and teams are going to be focusing on Luca. He's going to be the main focus. Who on the Mavericks are, is going to kind of take that number two spot when Luca is struggling? When, you know, Luca's probably going to get 20, but at the same time, he's going to be neutralized. Who else is going to step up in that situation? And, and that's the questions that we have in terms of the Mavericks, you know, going to the finals and winning the championship. Now, let me pull this up here. The Mavericks have been climbing in the standings since we last looked at where they were. I believe they were ninth or 10th in the West. Last time we talked about them, they're 19 and 16 right now. So they are well above 500. They've won their last four games. Bovada has them, they're plus or minus for the regular season at 45 and a half games. Um, so I, I think living up to expectations a lot more uh, lately and, and riding the ship compared to their slow kind of lackadaisical start in the season. Um, They're not one of the top teams on Bovada to um, be in the hunt for the number one seed at this point. Uh, they are closer to being a play-in team than the number one seed based on the odds there. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone who's been watching lately and just knowing how this grind of the regular season goes. But, you know, a, a good good move for the Mavericks. Um, 
overall the the last couple weeks here they they've been making strides so good to see from them should we move on to the grizzlies yeah for sure yes so looking at the grizzlies um this is kind of the the second most i i think recent hot story in the nba coming out around christmas time just before christmas we had an interview a media appearance for john morant where he was asked the question who are you worried about in the Western Conference or, or what teams are you scared of in the NBA? Forgive me, I can't remember the exact wording of the question. But John Morant's was, response was, I'm fine in the West. I, I'm worried about the Boston Celtics. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, this falls... So the Grizzlies right now fall into this archetype that we've seen among NBA teams. They are the young up-and-comers. They were this last season as well. We've seen this, remember, the Oklahoma City Thunder when they had Durant, Westbrook, and James Harden on that roster. The the Grizzlies are this new mold of the young up-and-comer, which is great for the NBA. Uh, These archetype-type teams are narratives that people are familiar with from the past that they can really connect to as fans. So this is an obvious shot at a few teams in the West. (laughs) First and foremost being the team that they played on Christmas Day that, by the way, kind of spanked them uh, without Steph Curry, interestingly enough. Um, But the, um, the Warriors, the team that eliminated them from the playoffs last year, um, this is a slap in the face right now. Uh, So, I don't know your thoughts on, I guess, the John Morant, because there are kind of two lanes here two, I guess, sort of um, shock jock narratives. You know, this is the, hey, you're giving bulletin board material to, um, you know, the team trying to make their last dance. Again, another like archetype in the NBA, which is why this rivalry is so great, in my opinion. Um, you also have the one, the 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 cliche of, well, you have to be this confident to be a top tier star in the NBA. Now, of course, both those things can be true, but how do you weigh this, Justin? Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting. You talk about John Morant's confidence. Um, Bovada does not reflect um, Morant's uh, arrogance. And and according to um, their odds, uh, Memphis is still um, plus 1300 um, with the Nuggets and Warriors right ahead of them. So um, just in terms of, you know, Moran, in terms of winning the title, winning, or winning, winning, the, winning the championship, winning the gotcha. championship. Gotcha. So yeah. if you're looking at, uh, you know, Morant's feelings of the of just not taking any of the teams in the West seriously, I don't think he sincerely thinks that. I think, like you said, Matt, I think that's. I, I don't know. I think it's one of those things. John Morant's a competitor, so. I don't think he's ignorant enough to know to be like, hey, like I didn't know this was gonna motivate these teams. I think he he definitely knows, and I, def- I think he definitely <laughs> enjoys the challenge. So I can't really knock him. I think I re- I respect what he says. I it's, I can't imagine you know we get to this season and if the Warriors upset the Grizzlies, Morant's like, oh, I didn't know those comments would motivate the Golden State Warriors. I think if he says that, I would be more disappointed in these comments just because of like. It seems very obvious that when you discount a lot of the Western Conference, you're, you're going to you know anger them and motivate their performance. So overall, I like the comments. I think it's fiery. I think it's one of those things that we always discuss when we're trying to get a lot of these superstars to be honest and more transparent. This is welcomed as compared to, you know, in years past, just seeing a lot of the superstars just kind of play it safe and just say the same old thing all the time. This is really good to see and spice up, you know, what's happening with, you know, Memphis's rivalries across the Western Conference specifically. So I think this is good for the league. I don't I don't have a problem with his comments at all. Um, I think for Memphis, it's just a situation. Are they ready just to take on, you know, motivated matchups each and every night? And I think even if Morant doesn't say that, like, I don't I don't see these teams not being motivated to play Memphis at all. I mean, they're still a top team in the Western Conference. Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, I I agree with you in some aspects on on some things I feel the opposite. I definitely agree with you 
that it's good for the NBA to the point that I almost wonder if he was nudged into saying that by who <laughs> by, by his uh, PR team. Or, I don't or think so. To no. get yeah, I'd I know. Be, I'm, I'd be I'm surprised. Well, but it, yeah. it was like so so perfect the way he said that and sure. everything and and seemingly out of character for John Morant like he's always been sort of the like super likable everyone gets behind this guy roots for him this is the first thing that he's done aside from maybe some dancing in the games that have ruffled people's feathers in, in the wrong way you know the only thing that he's really ever arguably deserved criticism for are, are these comments here i i like the confidence i don't like vocalizing that and giving bulletin board material i do think john morant believes that i do think he is that confident in himself and his team that he he feels like he can blast through the west i don't think it's smart to say it but i i love that he did and i love that when he was asked about it again he didn't walk it back he said he puts his stamp on it which i think is makes it makes it better for us the fan uh and for the league and for no love lost between the warriors and the grizzlies um so right now um Bovada is high on the Grizzlies passing uh, the Pelicans to be at least the second seed. It seems they are. uh, So the Nuggets have the lead right now. We'll talk about them. Plus 160 to be the top seed in the West. The Grizzlies at plus 180. And it seems like with how the odds are, the Pelicans uh, should slip a little bit here. Vegas is high on them, plus 450. So they are third in those rankings to be the one seed in the West. Um, As we mentioned earlier, the Warriors did pull off the win by 14 points on Christmas Day. Let's touch on the Warriors just really quickly here because they're one of those teams that – of course, with the Steph Curry injury, it's been, are, are they in? Are they out? Are they doomed? Are they okay? You had mentioned on our last episode last week that, you know, Clay's going to get a little more burn. Um, Jordan Poole certainly got a little more burn on Bovada. He's second right now um, in the six-man awards. Uh, so he's been, he's been playing well, as uh, you and I both mentioned. We want to keep an eye on them. Uh, what are you thinking? I, I know it's been a short amount of time and it's encouraging that they got that win on Christmas day, but in terms of that team moving forward, um, and let me pull up their standings as well. They are 17 and 18 at the time of this recording, four and six in their last 10. They've won their last two games. Do you see this team kind of holding steady, uh, being a play in team, or do you see them? Uh, being, you know, that six seed or greater when it's all said and done, you know, making these second half of the season predictions here? Well, I think we've seen a huge trend in the NBA, and it's an underrated storyline. I think we have discussed it, and I think our guests have discussed it. Really, if you drop a lot of games, you're going to pay for it severely. And I think compared to in years past, there's a little bit of buffer. I think there's easier to make up games. And I think the Chicago Bulls are learning this the, the hard way, just in terms of they're a very talented team, but they, they blow leads and inferior teams beat them because they just can't get it together within the opening parts of, of the, the, the game for the Bulls. And I think the Warriors, I think they're a little bit of a similar situation, um, not necessarily in blowing leads, but in terms of just losing games to um, inferior teams. And I think coming up under schedule, if you take a look at the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Hawks, I mean, to me, I think they need to at least, you know, go, I would say, 2-1 and one in those games. And then I think they need to, you know, beat the Pistons and Magic. I mean, those the Pistons and Magic, they have to win those games. Like facing definitely inferior teams, they they just can't lose those games, and they can beat those teams without Steph Curry. They have enough talent, and if they lose those games, I think that's a definite, definite warning sign as to the potential of this team heading into the playoffs. Now, like you were saying with Bovada, 
it seems like Vegas is respecting them in terms of being an elite team come playoff time. And I, and I shared their sentiment, but I have to admit, if they drop those two games, I know a lot of people say don't look into the regular season for, for you know, looking what's going to happen in the playoffs. But if they drop those two games, I'm going to be highly concerned because those are two give me games, in my opinion, against two teams that are definitely out of it, despite, um, especially with the Pistons with Kay Cunningham being hurt. I mean, really. I mean, other than Apollo with the Magic, I mean, those are two easy wins. And that's very rare to say in this day and age of the NBA. And it's concerning to me that you are making the Bulls comparison with the Warriors, and, and you're right. You're not wrong. Like, if, if you're a Warriors fan, you should be worried that Justin is comparing your yeah, team to the Bulls. I'm worried. sorry, Justin. No disrespect. <laughs> no. Um, but it's an apt comparison. Uh, you know, very different teams. Yeah. But in terms of the situation they're in, you're right. And they can't really... Uh, take games off. They can't really have this attitude that they've had in the past that they can turn the switch on come playoff time and be okay. I know they're the defending champions, but we've had discussions, or at least I mentioned foolishly before they won that title last year, like, hey, the Warriors might be on their last legs. This was when you and I weren't sure how Clay Thompson, no one was sure how he was going to look coming off his injuries. Um, and the Warriors, you know, again, Last year could have been the last thing with this group. Um, I mean, I would say more likely, yes, this was the last finals with this group than than less likely um, because of the age of this team. Now, I'm not saying they can't do it again. I'm not going to make that mistake again in my predictions, but this team is getting up there as currently constructed, um, and it's going to be a huge test. Not a good team on the road, three and sixteen yeah. this Killer. year, brutal. And, brutal. Um, and they've yeah. got uh, plenty of tests coming up still on their schedule. Bovada has them as minus 120 for being play-in game participants. So highly likely they'd be, you know, maybe the 7-8 seed. But we know the play-in game teams are 7 through 10. So no guarantees here. They are sitting 10th right now in the Western Conference. So it will be interesting watching them moving forward. Um, another team... That I wanted to mention just quickly, Justin, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Everyone's yeah. talking about this, but we mentioned Luca, his performance, and the team that he knocked out on Christmas Day was the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the high note for the Lakers still remains on Bovada, plus 120 for Russell Westbrook <laughs> to win <laughs> sixth man of the year. They're Unfortunately, Anthony yeah. Davis is out. I believe it's a foot injury, right? We mentioned that last week. Yeah. Um, they sit below the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, and they have plus 250 odds, again, on Bovada to be in the play-in game, that seems almost unlikely. I mean, the, they are, as I mentioned, sitting beneath the Thunder, who are 15 and 19, and um, the Thunder have plus 1,400 odds to be in the play-in game. Uh, the play-in tournament at the end of the season. So seems kind of odd that the Lakers would leapfrog them, but you understand there is more urgency with the Lakers doing it than the Thunder, who are clearly a developmental team, yeah. still accruing picks kind of team. Um, is this team done? Uh, I'll just put it to you that way. <laughs> do you see, uh, I mean, how likely do you see it that they could ascend into the play-in tournament at this point? Uh, the Warriors, as we mentioned, are 17 and 18. The Lakers right now 14 and 20 for context. Um, I think it depends if Anthony Davis returns or not. I think if he returns, if he is playing consistently, then I think they have an excellent shot because really it's a, it's very unstable Just we had the standings there in terms of the bottom half of the conference. So, Sure. I mean, when Davis was in the lineup, the, the Lakers were cooking. So, I mean, with those two players, they always had the potential to make a run if they're healthy. That's as if they're healthy. If one gets hurt, they're done. So I would say they'll make a run into the playing game and fall just short just due to injuries. Um, but if they stay healthy, I think, you know, they can make some noise in the play-in tournament for sure. I, I, I wouldn't rule them out if somehow they have a hot streak of good health. Totally. Um, I'm with you. I don't see them making the play in tournament. I'm going to say it now. I, I don't think the Lakers are climbing. I think they are done. Um, we'll see if I'm wrong. We'll yeah. see if the Lakers can prove me wrong. I'm not going to rely on AD's health 
at this point in time. Um, he does have to be amazing. You're right on the money there uh, for them to make this play in tournament alone. And it just feels like what what's your motivation for doing that as the Lakers? I know you don't have picks to play for and things like that, but it just seems to me like there might be this vibe of like LeBron's already missed the playoffs at this point. So you're not endangering a historical streak or anything like that. So it seems to me as we approach the end of the season, the attitude's going to be kind of like, eh, yeah. I mean, not, not out loud verbally, but I think the body language on this team might just be, eh, (laughs) it's been rough. We've had a rough year. We've killed Russell Westbrook's spirit. We brought it back (laughs) off of the bench. Thank goodness. But Eh, I, I think we're done here. Yeah. I, I think that's where we're going with this. No, I agree. Um, yeah. Another big story that I want uh, to to throw off of you, and then we can take uh, one more look at the standings here before we wrap up. Um, James Harden has been questioned a lot and made comments about a possible return to the Houston Rockets, who you know I have uh, somewhat of an interest in <laughs> as my sure. team. Um what are your thoughts on this situation? I mean, for one thing, James Harden would need to, I I believe he has one more year as a player option on his contract. So he would need to opt out of that and then sign on to Houston Rockets team that you and the listeners will remember. He left uh, on very, very chaotic and tumultuous grounds and circumstances i mean missing practices under brand new coach steven silas disrespecting him disrespecting the franchise coming in out of shape um some some like controversies around the uh the covid and all that that was going on at the time that i don't really want to talk about um but what are your thoughts on (laughs) a potential return and just objectively should the Rockets be interested in James Harden, like say he does opt out and he wants to come to the Rockets. So I guess from that angle, and then personally for James Harden, should he just stay with the Sixers anyway because he's paired with MB? Yeah, so first, shout out to your Rockets. I think they are an impressive young team. I think they always play hard for sure. I don't understand his. I, to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like kind of an old man here. And I think with a lot, some of these NBA players today, I don't understand their motivations. <laughs> it's baffling to me why James Harden relieve. You're right now in the thick of the Eastern Conference. You're playing with possibly a future Hall of Famer of Joel Embiid. I think as long as he stays healthy, I think that is reasonable to say if he's in the. Um, Hall of Fame discussion just based on his ability um, through the next 10 years of his career. So for him to think about going back to Houston is perplexing, especially in a organization you left in the first place. <laughs> like You hated there. You wanted to leave. So it's baffling to me. Uh, but at the same time, I think a lot of these NBA players, they make really peculiar moves. I think it's really hard to really <laughs> get into the motivations as to why NBA players, they they want to go to certain teams. It's, I don't know, it's, to me, it's perplexing. I mean, that goes with Kevin Durant, like, just with his unhappiness. Like, what, what do you want? I mean, you've had every single scenario, and you're still unhappy. And I think with James Harden, it's just, I, I don't understand the situation where, you know, right now in the NBA, there's not one team that is, like, unbeatable. I mean, the days of having, you know, three power teams and the rest of the NBA being mediocre are over. I mean, you have – it seems very doable if you are in the top five of your conference. If things go right, I mean, you can make a deep run into the NBA finals. Several teams have proven that. And I think with the 76ers, as long as health and continuity play on their side, I think, you know, you never know. And just to go to Houston, just to take two steps back, I don't understand why his motivation would be. Um I don't know. Other than maybe with, you know, we heard with LeBron, I mean, him going to Los Angeles was, you know, with his kids and his movie production. If there's maybe some kind of personal reason why James Harden would want to go to Houston, I guess that would make sense. But from a professional standpoint, I just don't understand the um, feelings of wanting to go back to a organization that he clearly hated within the last few years of him being there. Yeah, and I I should say in fairness to James Harden, he was asked about it again, and he kind of said like, 
you know, I'm I'm going to be in the playoffs this year. We've got plenty more season, like something along well, those lines. Well, the damage lines. is done already. I mean, it's, exactly. it's I mean, he can save it all he wants to, but, you know, it, it's just one of those things where his track record doesn't look good. I mean, if this was another player, if this was like, I don't know, I, I have to think of another player in the league, but he, they would have a lot more goodwill compared to James Harden, who has <laughs> proven to be a malcontent on several teams. I mean, he's not exactly on his best behavior based on his track record. So. And has not had the success in the playoffs. <clears throat> no, yeah, not at all. No, good points. And um, I, I think his focus, you know, in terms of his legacy, like he's he's put up monster stats. Um, he's, he's won MVP. He arguably should have won a second MVP over Russell Westbrook that triple-double year. I think James Harden really had the better numbers. It was just such uh, – everyone was so enamored with Russell Westbrook and the incredible effort he was putting up to, to his credit. Um, but you could argue he should be a two-time MVP. Um, so the last thing he needs on his NBA career at this point, and, and granted he's not he's not as old as we tend to seem to uh, frame it in context. Like like it seems like everybody talks about James Harden like he's like 37 years old, but I believe <laughs> he's 32 or maybe 33. Yeah. Um, but you know he has gone to the lane a lot. He's taken some hits. Um, and, and he plays as an older um, type of player for his age. Uh, so his focus should be on winning the championship. And I think, as as you were alluding to, his, his chances are much better on the 76ers. Now, some numbers here. Uh, Embiid is sixth place on Bovada in terms of odds for MVP. Interestingly enough, the Sixers have better odds to make the play-in tournament than they do to be the one seed in the <laughs> Eastern Conference. But I think that's more of a statement on the dominance of the Celtics and the Bucks than the instability or, um, you know, uh, lack of talent or lack of performance on the Sixers. Because you look at the Sixers, they're sitting at fifth right now at 20 and 13 in the Eastern Conference. Um, and the Celtics are at 25 and 10. So they're really not that far behind them. The Celtics have played two more games um, than the 76ers. So just, just behind them, things are still crazy in the Eastern conference right now. Uh, so many talented teams here, the Raptors who we've talked about, who have, who have been kind of a hot and cold team, a little more on the cold side of late. They're sitting at 15 and 19, right at that 10th place threshold. Um, and they are one of the top-ranked teams, uh, again, in terms of the odds on Bovada to be in that play-in tournament. Uh, so, look, uh, backtracking here, going back to James Harden, I want to talk about from the Rockets side of things. I, I don't understand this from this angle either. There are a lot of fans on Twitter and, uh, and media folks on Twitter, a lot of people that I get along with, a lot of people that I follow and follow me back, so I'm not – trying to disparage anybody, but I don't know why you take James Harden back. If you're the Houston Rockets, I agree. You have Kevin Porter jr. Is lighting things up. Maybe he's not a point guard. We'll see. But even if he's like your six man, eventually down the road, when you get a true point guard, um, some people might kill me for saying that even, but, um, why would you bring James Harden into this mix when he's doing similar things that Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are doing, for one thing? Why would you bring James Harden in when he had these bad habits while he was in Houston and he can now teach these habits to the youth movement that you have going on that team? I mean, if you didn't want to play John Wall all of last season, you benched him when he is more of a point guard figure, why would you bring James Harden into the mix? Agreed. And the reason is emotions because you had him there for so long because he has so many uh, franchise records and put up so many stats, but emotions is not a good reason <laughs> to bring a player back into the mix. It's true. And I'm sorry, the Rockets should not have played him a tribute video when he came back to visit uh, and the Rockets should not take him back now. I'm sorry. We had our chapter with James Harden. Do not bring him back. Can I cut you off real quick? Yes. So is the tribute video kind of played out? Because Jalen Brunson got a tribute video when he oh, – <laughs> I it was is. like, yes. I was like, that's very classy. <laughs> but I'm like, how long is he there for? 
I was like, what's with the tribute videos here? Like, Derrick Rose, I get. Like, Derrick Rose was a Chicago icon. He yeah. meant a lot to he the city. He won MVP. He won MVP. That makes <laughs> sense for, like, Jalen Brunson to get an MVP. I mean, oh. the, the, sorry. Well, they treat him like an MVP with the video, but the they give him a tribute video, I think, is ridiculous. The same thing with James, with, you know, James Harden. I think it's ridiculous. You're right on the money. I don't say this often, but dude, it is one of the things in the NBA that is cringe. It, it is cringe when some of these tribute videos yeah. happen. And to me, look, James Harden, the the stuff he did in Houston yeah. was incredible. But to me, the way it ended is no. reason enough that Ugly. like we do your tribute video when it's like you're on your Dwayne Wade retirement tour nah, type of true. situation. We do your tribute video then. We don't do it while you're still wearing the Brooklyn Nets jersey. Right. Uh, the team that you spurned us for, come nah. on. Have nah. some self-respect franchises. But, <laughs> oh, but I digress. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my opinion on James Harden. You keep him away from Houston. I don't, I'm not interested if I'm Raphael Stone. I mean – the Rockets will have plenty of cap space. Um, friend of the show, um, Keith Smith, pointed this out. Um, they will have a lot of cap space to play around with next season, but I don't think you spend it on James Harden. Me either. And also, let's see where the draft pick lands. Like, do we get a lottery pick? Do we get, you know, Scoot or Wemby, one of those top two guys? Uh, and then we can talk about <laughs> James Harden a little bit more. Um so to wrap up here, and we do need to wrap up in about five minutes or so, but I want to get your thoughts, Justin, looking at the standings, just we're a month away, just slightly under, a, or yes, slightly over a month away from the All-Star game. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on where teams are trending, um, just kind of some of the odds and what we're seeing here and what you think will change. So let me talk about, uh, first, the top of the Eastern Conference. We mentioned the Celtics. They are on Bovada, the title favorites. They are the favorites for winning the Eastern Conference. They are the favorites um, across the board. I mean, best team right now. I don't think we got a fair test. They they blew out the Bucks in the second half of that Christmas Day game. But I'm as we mentioned, you know, Chris Middleton was out. Uh, so again, the same questions kind of linger, like, can the Bucks do it if Chris Middleton is back? Um, but they're on top of the world right now. The Bucks are right there with them, just a few games behind, securely in second place. The Nets, just behind the Bucks, and the Nets, <laughs> who we mentioned as yeah. kind of an omission team from the Christmas Day games, they are on a nine-game win streak um, and right now, Bovada has them as the the third best team in the Eastern Conference, the third um, best odds or closest odds for being the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So they are that number three spot right now with the way that they're playing. But just behind them are the Cavaliers. So Celtics 25 and 10, Bucks 22 and 11. Nets 22 and 12, Cavaliers 22 and 13. So it's very tight there. And then we mentioned the Sixers at 20 and 13, not far behind either. So that top five is nice and close. Then you have next level Knicks, Pacers, Heat, Hawks hovering right at 500 or just above it for that six through nine. A lot of drama in Atlanta right now with Trey Young. That's one thing we didn't touch on, but that's going on that, yeah. that we all know. Um, and then you have 10th and below with the Raptors, Bulls, Wizards at 14 and 21, drop another level far below the Bulls. Then the Magic in your developmental teams, Magic, Hornets, and Pistons with the worst record in the NBA at 8 and 28. Trends for these teams moving forward. I mean, do you see anyone um, changing their standing significantly out of those teams in the East? Um, I would say the Heat. Um, I think that is mm. a team to watch out for. They are always underrated and fairly inconsistent. And so I think that is going to be a squad to see if they can move up. Because to me, I think it's clear, it's clear, it's obvious that the Celtics and Bucks are legit. And they're going to be fairly consistent in terms of, you know, beating inferior teams and then um, winning more competitive 
matchups against elite teams in the NBA. Um, I think as long as Durant and Irving are healthy, I mean, I'm not surprised of the winning streak. And I think getting past all that controversy, I think we're finally seeing the Nets um, come into true form there. I think what's also interesting is with the Cavaliers as well. Um, I think they have proven to be fairly, fairly stable under the leadership of Donovan Mitchell. And I think that is something not to take for granted. I think looking at the the others, I, I just don't see the Bulls or Wizards or Raptors really making a move to the, to the top half. I don't. Um, and with Chicago, it's tough because in years past where I can easily say, hey, you know, they have an inferior roster. The Bulls have, I think, a solid roster of talent. It's just that really mentally, and I think it kind of points to Billy Donovan as well, they're just not mentally tough enough when it comes to the beginning of games. And mm. you can't just – every game, they're, there's a massive, you know, lead that they're in. It's 15 points. It's 20 points. And, you know, against – top even mediocre teams in both the Western Eastern Conference, you just, it's unacceptable. So for me, I, I just think, you know, we're going to see a lot more um, stability within the Eastern Conference, within the top five teams besides the Miami Heat. Um, and I think the West is where you might see a lot of teams just flip-flop. I think we've already seen it with the Utah Jazz having a hot start now. They're at the bottom of the conference. So um, I think a lot more parity is probably likely um, in the West compared to the East. Hmm. Yeah, I like that you mentioned the Heat because they had, uh, even by their standards, a super, super slow start to the season, and now they're at 500. I would expect them to ascend. I would expect the Knicks, who are on a four-game losing streak, I think the wheels are going to fall off there a bit, and they might be fighting just to stay in play-in tournament relevance yeah. uh, by the time it's all said and done this season. I also think um, the Raptors the Bulls and the Wizards who you mentioned and who are 10, 11, and 12 respectively are the trade bait teams. Um, and then I, I'm curious to see what the Pacers do sitting at seventh, uh, a team that we assumed wouldn't even be sniffing the right. play in tournament. It does seem like maybe that team is going to stay together after all, if they do want to tank, they'll be pulling the trigger on that within the next two months as we come up on the uh, trade deadline, you know, which which hits just after the All-Star break. So really, in just over a month on that, they need to make a decision. Are they keeping Buddy Heald and Miles Turner um, or are they moving them moving forward? Same yeah. for players on your Bulls. Same, same for Porzingis on the Wizards. Is yep. he going to get moved? Um, Kyle Kuzma. Um, you know, we're, we're big fans of Kyle Kuzma. He, he, uh, if he's mm -hmm. going to get moved, um, from the wizards by the trade deadline, he's been in a lot of trade talks. OG Ananobi from yeah. the Raptors comes to mind. So a lot of interesting things there, but yeah, I think the two main trends I see again, heat ascending and Knicks on the decline. Um, let's take a look out West. Um, so by now, the Nuggets have taken hold of the one seed as you and I projected they would. Um, and on Bovada, your odds for the West seed, number one seed, that is Nuggets plus 160. So best chance of maintaining that Grizzlies plus 180 Pelicans plus 450. I know we mentioned this earlier in the show, but I wanted to mention also that Phoenix plus 800. Uh, they are the fourth ranked teams in terms of odds in the Western Conference to take that number one seed. They've been on a bit of a, a slide lately, four and six in their last 10, the Suns that is. Um, but the Nuggets firmly holding on the one seed, eight and two in their last 10 games. Pelicans at number two um, and could be in position to get a high lottery pick as we've talked about. The Grizzlies number three projected to go up to that two spot by Vegas um, Clippers sitting pretty at the four seed, getting a little bit more momentum, frustrating team. Cause you never know, yeah. as we talked about with Andrew Greif, uh, you never know who's going to be rolling out on the court for this team, but they're getting it done by committee well enough for fourth in the West, which is pretty impressive. Sons in fifth, Mavericks in sixth at 19 and 16, Kings in seventh, 17 and 15, Trailblazers 18 and 16, Jazz 19 and 17, Warriors, as we mentioned earlier, in 10th, 17 and 18. And then you've got 
the teams that are going to be struggling to make it. The Timberwolves, who made that big Rudy Gobert trade, disastrous season so far for them, 16-18 and 18 in 11th place. Thunder behind them, then the Lakers, then the Spurs, and the Rockets in last, both of those last two teams. Definitely in tank mode. Um, thoughts on the West in terms of trends? Teams that might be climbing compared to where they are now or falling compared to where they are now? Yeah, I see a lot of parity. I think really the Nuggets are the most consistent team in the mm-hmm. West. Um, we'll, we'll see. Have to, we'll have to take a look at the Suns. They're, I mean, that does have to be fairly disappointing them being the fifth seed there. But I think there's tons of parity. I mean, take a look at, you know, the Kings are only four and a half games out from first place. I mean, <laughs> that is not an insurmountable task for a lot of these teams and along with the Trailblazers and Jazz as well. And even with the Warriors' struggles, I mean, Bovada has them um, still within the conversation of still winning the Western Conference. So it is very tight in the West. And if I'm being honest, I I don't know. I think other than the Nuggets, it's really hard to predict. I think, to me, I'm, I'm never a believer of the Clippers. I think they're a fraud team. I just yeah. always, I mean, we, we have this discussion in those years of everybody picking them. I think, I think they're a fake team. Um, but other than that, I really am optimistic about the rest of the teams. I think it's going to be interesting to see about the Kings, where they go, the Trailblazers. Like, there are a lot of teams there that are new to be in that, you know, one-to-eight mix. Are they legit or not? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think, so we talked about us not feeling the Lakers. The bottom of the conference is is pretty obvious. Let me ask you about some teams of interest, because I I think the Rudy Gobert experiment, as I mentioned, has gone poorly in Minnesota. Where do you see that team going? I mean, do do you see them making the climb and like living up to what their roster was supposed to be on paper? Or is this going to be another disastrous Minnesota situation where this franchise goes back into irrelevancy again, even though they, they really didn't climb out of it just yet. So it's over before it starts. (laughs) No, it's tough. I mean, if you take a look, I mean, Last season, um, he averaged, you know, 15 points, league leading 14 rebounds, two blocks. Um, This season, I mean, his numbers are down. I mean, not dramatically. Uh, I mean, there are 14 points to about, you know, 12 rebounds, um, 66% from the field compared to 71% last year. Um, And his, you know, his blocks are down. I mean... It's tough. I mean, he's you know he's he's in a new team, and I think that it takes time for new players to acclimate to a new situation. So, I don't want to be too harsh. I think it's one of those things when you have you know Car Anthony Towns who plays you know, he's a bigger guy but plays further away from the basket, and Rudy Gobert, you know what he brings to the table. I think it's willing to say it's time to give him some chemistry for that chemistry to really take hold. But, you know, at the same time, Matt, you know, I, I always, I mean, bringing it up lately, but <clears throat> I think you take a look at Chicago and it's one of those things where Zach Levine is like, you want to pay an all-star all this money to lead you to the promised land when you, in your heart, you know, this guy's not an elite player in the league. And I think we're calling Anthony Towns. I think mean, that's the case with him. I mean, mm-hmm. due to different reasons, maybe injuries, but, you know, as this guy being a franchise player, I just don't think that's the case compared to maybe like an Anthony Davis who's injury prone, but when he's out there, clearly he, he could be an MVP candidate, you know, as well as Joel Embiid. I mean, but I think with Carl Anthony Towns, he's just not an elite player in this league. And I think, I don't think Rudy Gobert is going to really help that, unfortunately. Yeah. And it seems like he's been in a lot of talks about hypothetical trade discussions yeah. And it seems like he would be the player to move because you have Anthony Edwards, who is like the youth movement of the Agreed. team, the future of the team. Carl Anthony Towns, it, it seems like, you know, Jimmy Butler just like mentally wrecked Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was just over once Jimmy Butler kind of started calling out Carl Anthony Towns and that franchise and left them, I believe, to go to Philadelphia at that point. Mm-hmm. Um uh, just kind of ended things. I don't know. Um, just seems like there's a, a mental toughness that's lacking. Uh, defense doesn't seem to have really improved in spite of adding Rudy Gobert. Um, and I don't blame that all on Rudy Gobert, certainly. 
but you're not going to get value back trading Gobert. So be interesting. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a prove it or lose it situation in Minnesota there. Um, for whatever reason, I also feel like the trailblazers, I don't, I don't know if what that team is doing is sustainable. Um, yeah. do you see the Suns? moving up past the Clippers to get home court advantage when it's all said and done? Or where do you think the Suns are going? And and we can end on this because I know yeah. we got to get out of here. But um, that's the team that kind of perplexes me right now. Me too. And they're not far off. Nuggets 22 and 11, Suns 20 and 15, first compared to fifth. So you see how tight it is there. Um, but this is the team, of course, that had the best record in the NBA. Uh, last season was kind of expected to do their thing to finally get that championship for Chris Paul. Have we gone past the point that they can do it? Well, I think to the Suns, I mean, it, it lies with Chris Paul in terms of his, he's the glue of the, the Phoenix Suns and he is the, the massive X factor. And when he's hurt, I think you see this team have issues. And so I think this comes down to his health really. Um, mm. And which that's like you said, is a question mark. I don't, I don't really know. I, I think if you're to really force me, I do think they'll leapfrog the the Clippers. I have a lot mm. more faith in the Suns in the regular season based on their track record since the pandemic compared to the Clippers. So, I mean, if you force me to pick, um, I'm going to go with the, the Suns to leapfrog them. But to me, just based on this season, it wouldn't surprise me if that doesn't happen. But, you know, mm. if you force me to pick, I'll take the Suns over the, the, over the Clippers. Yeah, I, I think um... – I, I agree with that. It kind of feels like fourth is fourth place in the West is their ceiling, though. Yeah. It, I don't know that they'll get over the enthusiastic and young Grizzlies and Pelicans. I mean, unless God forbid there's you know an injury, uh, which you can never predict those things. But uh, it seems like fourth is their ceiling to me, and it seems like they might still be able to do some damage in the playoffs that in at that ranking because. They would face the Nuggets in the second round, and they've been successful against the Nuggets in the postseason in the past. Now, this year could be a different story, and that home yeah. court advantage could pay off for the Nuggets. But remember, it was Suns in four <laughs> last year in the playoffs. Yep, sure was. Um, so it an interesting team, though, because it, it does feel like they've gone down a level. Um. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do. And my X factor for that team would actually be DeAndre Ayton. That's a true. A guy who can be a beast or can be just kind of like missing in action, get a few yeah. rebounds, like be a 10 and 10 guy when really he should be like a 20 and 15 guy or something along those lines. So they're going to need him to really play with intensity all the time. Um, and we'll see what they can do. We talked about their new ownership last week. Uh, so maybe that breathes some new life and enthusiasm into this team as well. Moving yeah. on from the Robert Sarver chapter, we got to get out of here. It's been fun chatting. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. Um, looking forward to some great basketball action, some great interviews coming up that we have for the show. You guys have a happy new year. Enjoy the rest of your week and we will be back at it again, at least by next week, early next week, we should have a new episode for you. And uh, we look forward to bringing that to you as always. Thank you for your support of the show. Justin, anything else before we go? No, no. Have a, have a happy new year. Stay safe. And you see in the ticker down there, send all your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. And as always, um, we appreciate all the support. All right. You guys take care. Happy new year. Happy new year. Let's make it a great 2023. We'll see you then. Peace see you out. later. Bye-bye.